0: 347 633 9365
1: is the number to call. So don't sit around, no time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall.
0: And now we give you our two hosts, Emil and Chad with your breakfast toast.
1: It's a Monday. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. Amel and I are crying, laughing, but we really can't share with you why. So we'll just move it happily along. It was an interesting NFL Sunday. There was no college football, so it was half a boring weekend, but the NFL made up for it with some excitement, Amel. Some pretty good games and some stuff that went down yesterday. Agree or no? Excellent games. There was good games yesterday Excellent throughout games the day. All the way around. Uh, and he's saying this even though his Cowboys lost. I feel like. A little bit of pressure was taken off of you there. Yeah,
0: what's your thoughts? Well, we we had a lot
2: of them that are ready to jump. You know, they're going to break their their ankles off the bandwagon. But I've said all along, listen, as a fan, would I prefer they have beat the Giants? Of course. I mean, I'm a fan. When I'm watching the game, I'm not I'm not saying, geez, let's lose and get the pressure off us. But when you look big picture, this is the NFL. You're Probably not going to win 18 straight games, which is what the Cowboys would have had to do to win a Super Bowl if if everybody thought they were going to win every week. they would. That means they would have lost the first game of the year, ripped off 15 in a row, won three in a row in the playoffs in Super Bowl, and they win the championship. Probably not happening in the NFL, and I'm with you. I think at some point getting that loss helps re- refocus the team. Um, we can get into the game, I guess, maybe when we get into that segment talk a little bit more about what you saw, what I saw, things I think. That are certainly correctable. But, hey, listen, put it in perspective. 2007, the Giants won the Super Bowl. Cowboys beat them twice in the regular season. 1996, yeah, Cowboys
1: won a Super Bowl. Yeah, come together again, Emil, uh, which could be likely in a playoff scenario, it's going to be hard, I think, for the Giants to beat the Cowboys for a third time in this season. Uh, so, this is the silver lining. So well, that's what happened to Dallas Cowboys.
2: in 2007 when they played. I mean, Dallas, Dallas uh, played, they beat them twice, they lost in the the playoffs and, and and frankly that year the cowboys probably had the better team this year i think overall dallas has the better team but they lost twice i mean it, it happens in 95 96 when they won their last super bowl the cowboys lost two games that season to the 5 and 11 washington redskins it's the nfl again you got to look at the whole body of work
1: well amon i told you uh, about three or four weeks ago the big tough that, um, you know, the, the the thing the Cowboys had to get through with this whole Tony Romo thing was these two games that they just went through. The Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. and the New York Giants felt like they would lose either both or one of these games. And lo and behold, they played, they played they pl- if I could say this, they played well enough to lose against Minnesota. And they happened to get the victory. And then they lost sure. last night against the New York Giants. And so I'm on talk radio this morning, and I hear it. Uh, they're going to need Tony Romo. I think even you said this. Uh, Tony Romo is going to be needed at some point in the playoffs. I guess that really just boils down to watching Dak in that final series where they needed to get down the field and into, into uh, you know, at least field goal range, and it just didn't look Tony Romo-esque. It looked, he looked like a rookie, um, you know, just keep the ball moving. I always remember this quote from, from Brett Favre. Uh, when talking about those situations, which he was very, very good in, it was just get first downs, just keep the ball moving. And it's not a whole thing of looking for that big play down the field or that just get the ball out of your hand into someone's hands because there's a lot of space in a two-minute drill because the defense is looser. Just get the ball into someone's hands and just let something happen. And Dax seemed to be looking for um, either that receiver that's supposed to be open in this play that's called – or he, he looked a little too methodical in that situation. Can I make
2: a couple observations after having the, the evening to ponder, you know, my knee jerk, which I had last night? L- l- let, me, let me backtrack what I'm saying. In retrospect, you know, I did what most fans did, but since I'm on the air and I got time to to, to vent a little to you, I, I, I don't think they're going to go to Romo for a lot of reasons. Um, first of all, let's consider the fact that even with a mediocre game versus the Vikings and what we would say was a bad game last night, the guy's still 11-2. and two. He's still sitting there with, you know, the third-best quarterback rating in the, in the league, right? He's got the second-best, you know, that QBR stat on ESPN. So even with those games, there's nothing to indicate that, that you know, overall the guy hasn't been excellent. And, and like I said to you a couple shows ago, when you really sit back and you breathe and you think about it, we haven't seen Romo play championship-caliber football for since January 2015. That's almost two years now. I told you last year in the four games he played, he threw five touchdowns and seven picks. So he may have already begun that downhill descent last year. We just didn't know it because he didn't play enough. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. All I'm saying is I think it would be very knee-jerk of the Cowboys and send the wrong message as an organization to just all of a sudden do that. Now, if it was the middle of a playoff game and they said, "Hey, we're going to bring in Romo, bail, he can bail us out. If we win, we go right back to Dak," which I've seen throughout NFL history, that's okay, happened that's many what times. I was ask
1: you. Let's say you get in that situation, Emily, and you need a guy, uh, and you need you need you know for some reason you need Tony Romo in that situation because you feel like he'd be better off. Uh, than then Dak Prescott, and he comes in and he leads the team down the field and they get the touchdown and everyone's all happy. What do you do with Tony Romo after that? Just put him right back on the shelf? I'll put him what back happened in the when, the, what happened the when Drew Bledsoe bailed out a, a hurt
2: Tom Brady in the 2001 AFC Championship game, which most people forget, the Patriots got to that Super Bowl, the first one that Brady won, because when he was hurt, Bledsoe came in and led a win against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. As soon as Brady was healthy, he played in the Super Bowl. That's happened throughout history. It's beyond our time even. You go back and look back in the days of the Raiders when they had Daryl LaMonica. Many times they would bring in George Blanda if LaMonica wasn't going well. Blanda bailed him out. They'd send him right back to the bench. Um, I don't think Dak Prescott's a mentally weak guy. I know he isn't. So I, I honestly think he believes in himself. And if something like that happened and they won, he'd be just fine. He'd take the ball the next week and go out and do his thing.
1: I am just uh, astonished in this day and age, Emil, how much uh, big-time decisions are made based on the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? the the fickle the fickle thoughts of fans that move in waves once something happens. Um, your better organizations can are very good at tuning out the noise, um, and then others are not so hot on that they just get overly concerned with what fans think and think that that's going to have an immediate impact on uh, merchandise sales uh, television viewership attendance to games and they just really let the public at large run their football team and it's just it's hilarious well, that le- this even. let happen. me
2: say this i said this to a couple of cowboy fans this morning before we went on air after thinking it through last night so listen if you're a great team, if you want to be a great team, and we've talked about this in other shows, I think the most important thing is your identity. You've got to know what you are, and when, when things go poorly, like last night, you have adversity, which in an NFL season, you're not going to be Alabama most likely. You're going to have some adversity in a long 16-game season that will tell you if you should be champions or not. If you know your identity, this week you go back to what you do You're the Dallas Cowboys. What do we do? And you come out next week, and you do that, okay? If you just go knee-jerk and you say, hey, this guy had a bad game. Uh, You know, he struggled a little. He played like a rookie. Let's put Tony Romo in there. It sends the wrong message to your football team if you're trying to build something that's sustainable long-term. Well, how about the corner, then, who's standing out there? He gets beat for a 70-yard touchdown. He runs back to the sidelines. He's worried, am I going to lose my job next week? I mean, it's 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 just something you you know you have to think big picture with these decisions and and we become fans in the moment and we say, oh you know he could come in. How do we know Tony Romo doesn't come in there? They blitz him and on the first play they hit him and and bang his collarbone's broken again. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, yeah,
0: I, I
1: I mean no no one no one wants to see that. Uh, but you know there's uh, I, I there's some tough times coming ahead here for the Cowboys. I mean the next game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and if you looked at this game four or five weeks ago on the schedule like okay whatever just another game on the schedule a breeze through that but given the way Tampa Bay has been playing lately not so much and what can ill afford to happen here for the Cowboys is another slip up another bad performance by the offense and God forbid a loss because then you know then the noise gets big.
2: Yeah, but you want know, to know something? My take on this game. This isn't me being a fan, honestly. I think I think Garrett is is underrated. I think he's done an excellent job this year. Uh, I wouldn't want to beat Tampa Bay next week. I, I think they'll play very well. I do. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, I, we, I mean, we can only
1: hope. It's, they, I mean, they don't have much experience playing off of a loss, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go about handling that, but. Um yeah, it's been two tough well, games let me for the say, Cowboys.
2: Let me ask you possibly. this. You Did you watch the whole game last night? Did you get a chance to sit down and watch a good chunk of it a at least? A good part of it.
1: Yeah, a good part of it. The,
2: the two takeaways I have for, from them on the positive side, the Dallas defense the last two, three weeks has started to really round into form. I mean, they actually looked very good defensively. They gave up one play last night. That's really what it came down to. They took the ball away three times. Uh, they sacked the quarterback. They got pressure. So that part I liked. My
1: thing on the offense, you know, and I don't know if you, you noticed know what I this think, as Timo, a deep. Not, and not to not to cut you short here. There's a, yeah, sometimes you get teams and defenses, uh, and and vice versa with the offense, is that um, sometimes they play as well as they need to, and when the Cowboys were flying along and moving the ball down the field and kind of I don't want to say scoring at will, but scoring um, yeah. when they needed to, then it seems the defense was a little bit more lax. And now that things are getting tighter, it seems the Dallas Cowboys. Defense realizes, okay, things are tighter here. We need, to, we need to tighten up a little bit, and that's what we're seeing. So it's, and, and that's you know, a good thing. But lem- let me say this to you, and you're a defensive
2: guy. I wanted to see if you noticed this. I think the problems they've had, especially the last two games, are, are very – the reason I'm not worried, they're correctable. They're not physical problems as much as I see. There's a couple things I, I noticed yesterday. Linehan got in a very predictable pattern with his play calling last night, almost like a pitcher who throws a fastball on the first strike, and then the second pitch is always a slider. By the third inning, a good hitter on on the 0-1 pitch is eliminating the fastball and sitting on the slider. Linehan would get into a pattern of run, pass, pass. Run, pass, pass. And I'm sitting there watching this game, watching Elliott average five yards a carry, and say to myself, how about doubling up on the run? Run, run. Or how about a play-action pass on first down instead of run, and then we go pass? Because at a certain point, he got his clock clean. The defensive coordinator for the Giants on second and third down was bringing pressure all the time. He almost eliminated the
1: run. Yeah, again, you know, the Cowboys found themselves in a position that, um, you know, they hadn't really been in. So um, the, we'll have to see what the adjustment is what the adjustment that's made here by the Cowboys, and I think I want to judge them off of that, and not the fact that they had this slip up and lost a football game here. So, um, you know, let's let's see what they do against Tampa Bay, who's playing pretty well right now, especially on defense. So, uh, there's there's a chance that. By the know, way,
2: interesting they, note for that game last night, unrelated. Well, related but unrelated. Before the game, and I mean, like they said right before the game, apparently wild dressed. The Cowboys in the NFL said it was okay. For Des Bryant to film one of those videos with Carrie Underwood, I guess, for one of the promos. Okay? Right. Now, I don't know what happened or why, but I'm telling you, and I think I sent you a couple texts this. Des Bryant looked like he played that game drunk last night. I mean he looked dead to the world in that game.
1: Um, I mean, we could say that's a whole lot of Janoris Jenkins or uh, It could yeah, be maybe maybe yeah, i mean i mean it just but i'm played. saying that
2: doesn't seem like but a smart move a if you're if you're secondary
1: that's the other thing folks don't really realize this about um uh, you know that may have uh, been a part of what dak experienced last night is that's a that's a pretty good defense coming into their stride right now uh, I'm
2: not, I'm not taking anything i it, it may have had no impact i'm just asking you does that seem wise to you before a big game or any game actually why are you, why is the nfl and or the cowboys allowing one of the, any player to be filming videos before he goes on the field.
1: I mean, did Kerry Underwood Maybe.
2: catch passes before she does a concert?
1: Dude, because Cowboys, all right, Cowboys. Did we not go through this? Who I was Terrell Owens playing think about it. when he did that? What, what, what squad was he playing for? Refresh my memory. When he filmed the, uh, the locker room scene. All right, I think I'm having some technical difficulties again with my man Emil here. But uh, nevertheless, which is uh, it's started to become par for the course with Blog Talk Radio. Again, uh, I might need to move this show to another platform because Blog Talk Radio has been uh, as bad as could be over the last two weeks. All right, this seems like a really good time for us to take our first break. When we get back, we'll be talking some more NFL and college football here on The Great Iron Stud Show. Stay with us.
0: Hey, hey, hey! Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you
1: may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing
0: website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million dollars. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest
1: for twenty-five dollars and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry, the match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS.
0: Do it now! 10:17.
1: 10:17. 17 we're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Monday edition, weekend wrap. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino. Emil, I just posted this up on my Facebook page. Did you happen to see the cheap shot taken by Titans wide receiver Harry Douglas? Uh, uh, you'd have on, to be. If that, you're
2: an NFL fan, you'd have to have been in a cave yesterday to not have seen that.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, there's just no place in the game for that. I don't understand why you would even do that. Um, what's, the, what's the status on Chris Harris? What's the latest on that?
2: Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what his status is as far as the injury or if he's injured or what, um, or what's going on with the whole deal, but I could tell you one thing. That guy, I don't know, the punishment will get handed down, I guess, what, Tuesday? If he's not suspended for a game, then or, or even a couple games, then
1: there's something wrong with the league. If the league's I think concerned that's going to be the state, least of that guy's worries. He's going to be labeled as a dirty player. He hasn't done enough in the league to even extinguish that kind of label being put on him. Um, and I think he's going to be the target of many. Uh, you know, uh, you don't even have to be a Denver Bronco to be pissed off about that. Anyone playing defense, defensive back in uh, future games against the Tennessee Titans um, might have to take umbrage and, and do so in a physical manner against this guy. I mean, that is complete and total garbage. There's no place in the game for that.
2: No, well, that's what I'm saying. He's. I think he's going to be staring. He. We might not have anybody retaliating. I mean, I, the NFL. If they're going to be so. Uh, serious about player safety you got to suspend that guy for at least a game maybe two you got to
1: yeah if i'm a player on his team i've got to go to this guy after the game and ask him what the hell are you doing what what were you thinking about when you did that that's just ridiculous
2: well i mean i know that the first reaction but i mean honestly i'm wondering why the titans were were fighting last night i mean if 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 they went after the guy would have been like hey you're on your own now that's garbage
1: Good luck. Yeah, it's a tough one to do. I mean, because it's, it's your teammate, still your teammate. Um, and I guess you support him at that moment then and there. But then you get in that locker room later, you pull this guy aside and say, I, 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 there's just no place in our game for that. I don't care how much you dislike a guy on the other side of the field. And that's probably, it looks like something where there may have been some jawing back and forth or some rough stuff in between plays. And uh, Harry Douglas wanted to strike back. That's not the way that you do it. I would much... I would much prefer that you see something go down like what happened between Andre Johnson and uh, I forget the I forget the cornerback's name for um, for the for the Titans at the time that that he you know they ended up ripping each other's helmets yeah. off. I would much rather see that than what what that was there. Well, sure, that's just that's just a
2: total cheap shot. Again, this is very much I always use the analogies. It's it, when you have a baseball pitcher that throws at guys intentionally, everybody thinks that that's team approved, a lot of times that guy's own teammates will pull him aside and say, listen, man, every time you do that, we either, A, end up in the center of the field in a brawl, or, B, I end up taking one in the ribs because you don't get to bat
0: or, right. or, or exactly. you're not
2: in the game anymore. So if you do that again, I'm going to come over to your locker and, and hit, hit your knee with this bat, and then, you know, that ends that.
1: Yeah, some of the uh, craziest things go on during a football game. Another another interesting off-the-field thing was uh, the Bengals and the Browns played yesterday. Very little reason for anyone to be interested in that game if you're not friends and family. But, um, you know, Adam Pacman Jones, who's no stranger to controversy himself, was asked about Terrell Pryor. I think it was just one question, and he went on. I don't even want to call it a tirade, just, com- you know, continuously called Terrell Pryor, garbage. So that sounds like something else that may have gone on on the field that got spilled over <laughs> into an interview later on. You've got to see that, Amel. I think I posted it Yeah, the I, one, I, on the I, I, I saw, saw him
2: going off, and it's something happened in my house at the time. Somebody asked me to turn the sound down. They were showing me something. And I saw him with his shirt off at his locker, running around saying like you could tell he was animated i'm thinking oh boy what, what's going on now and, you know i'm thinking to myself now that you're telling me what he was going on about i'm like man unless i'm missing something the only bright spot in the the brown season has been terrell Pryor and, and, and what he's done as a receiver
1: well not so according to adam pacman jones who when asked just repeatedly said garbage Terrell Pryor's garbage, then went so far as to pull the trash that was near him, pull it, look in there, and say, is he in here? Because he's garbage. Oh, man. Uh, and then repeated wow. several more times that he's garbage. So um, Bengals looking for uh, a little bit of drama and intrigue in their season because they haven't been able to do it in the wins and losses column. Well, they've got that. Uh, and I, I believe the season series is over with the Browns. I could be wrong about that. But if it's not, this, that'll be an interesting little matchup. I mean, if you care about Bengals football at all. Uh, that could be a little bit of fun if these two meet again, which they do not. This is the second meeting. Well, the Bengals
2: have guys. their annual brawl game going on next week because I think they play the Steelers, and that's usually one that produces at least you know a few personal fouls and and what 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 not. So they'll they'll probably be in a a crappy mood. I mean, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs for the first time in five or six years. So yeah, uh, we we'll stay tuned next week when they play the Steelers. That yeah, should so be is pretty there interesting.
1: even enough? Is there even enough um, tension there between these two teams with the Bengals being out to even have something like this happen? Because I think that's kind of what spearheaded uh, what's been going on between these two teams the last couple of years. Both of them were playoff bound or fighting for playoff position. No such thing this year.
2: I, I think they have a couple of guys on each team that don't really, really genuinely don't like one another. I, I mean, I think I think Burf, Burfick's one of those guys that, uh, you know, assuming he's not hurt, I don't think. If he's playing... I, I I think the Steelers genuinely dislike him and, and and he and he's no fan of theirs. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you see if you if you watch that game next week if you see the the flags flying. Just just my guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, and I a lot of that would have to be started by the Bengals because there's you know like nothing else for them to do this season. Let's talk about some of these games. Uh, I was, you know, a little surprised by the Steelers being able to go into Buffalo. What's happened to the Bills? You know, it looked. For a while there, you remember? Remember when the uh, offensive coordinator got fired, and everyone was up in arms about it, saying, you know, a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's a little bit of nepotism, so to speak, within oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Bills organization. And uh, they promptly went out and won four games in a row. And since then, Abel, they're two and five. So in the long term, it looks like maybe that was the wrong decision to make because they've been bad defensively in several of those 28, 41, 31, 38, 27 uh, points uh, what's been given up in those five losses, and then another loss at home, and the Bills have pretty pretty much played themselves out of position here. Well, here's
2: a couple things in that game that kind of are going to get glossed over as people look at the result if they didn't watch the game. First of all... uh, you know, and great game by him, but you have to wonder an NFL team. Le'Veon Bell carries the ball 38 times for 236 yards yesterday. You know, he's a hell of a back. But when an NFL team gets galled for over 200 yards, you, you got to wonder what their you know what their want to was yesterday because the Bills don't forget lead the NFL or them in Dallas are one and two somewhere in rushing. So this is a team that practices against the run, allowed 236 yards to a back, and also glossed over in that game yesterday, was a 37 quarterback rating for Ben Roethlisberger as he uh, threw three interceptions yesterday in that game. I think one thing led to another
1: there, Emil. I mean, you know, it just wasn't happening for Ben there yesterday. You know, if you saw the game, the driving snowstorm, so just maybe the conditions weren't there for him. And kudos to Pittsburgh to realize it and like, hey, listen, this guy's our guy. He's our franchise quarterback face of the franchise but he's not on today let's let's go a different direction and they did 38 carries for Le'Veon Bell and he pretty much put the team on his back yesterday
2: yes he did and that's you know that that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about in general with being able to adjust in game you know that's that's a great in-game adjustment the Steelers made to look at that game and say listen you know we keep throwing this ball around here we might come out of here with an L because Ben's throwing it to the wrong guys And, like you said, they they have
1: a – What's funny here is the Steelers had a little four-game losing streak here in the season, and they found themselves at three and five. It was a whole lot of Mike Tomlin talk and hate. And uh, is he the guy, and he's overrated, and he gets a pass, and this, that, and the other. I haven't heard any of that recently as they've gone on this four-game win streak. Have you heard any of that at all?
2: Well, you know, winning is the – what is it? The the, the great elixir – you know, winning winning makes everybody shut up, and everybody gets smarter when they win. And it's it, it's a case in point. Like I keep saying, as fans, you've you've the NFL is different than watching your your favorite college team, where you can only lose a game or two if you want to win a championship. The NFL is a big, long season. You've got to try to keep your eye on the 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 big picture and refrain from over analyzing the week to week stuff. Like we do, we like to talk about it. That's fun but you can't change the coach based on another case in point Mike Tomlin he was going to get fired and so was um, McCarthy in Green Bay the guy's been there since 2006 won a ton of games all of a sudden he became an idiot and we'll get to that game but now he's a genius again
1: yeah um it's and it just goes back to what I was saying in our opening about how you know fans are they change with the wind and some organizations Um, respond to that and um, you end up messing yourself up. You can't let the fans run your organization. First of all, uh, as this should be so obvious. They're not qualified. That's number one. Number two, they're emotional beings. Um, And from one week to the next, you're the greatest and you're the worst. And I just hate when I see organizations overreact to what fans have to say, especially in social media. I mean, that's an instant reaction to what's going on out there. I mean, they'll tell you, Uh, Tom Brady sucks on any given Sunday if he goes out there and throws three interceptions. So you just really can't react to that kind of stuff.
2: Well, and the other thing is I like to say, you know, you've heard me say this a bit. You have to remember, the other guys get paid too. This is professional football we're watching. I mean, both teams have lots of good players. I mean, like other than the Browns, there's probably, you know, a five-player difference between the best teams in the league and some of the worst where you could say, you know, they have four or five difference makers that the other teams don't have. Um, it's it's not a case. There are no Kansases. There are no whatever Vanderbilts in your conference. I mean, you've you got to go out there every week. You can lose to any team any given Sunday, and that's why it's important to try to take a breath when you're going to overreact and let it sit for a couple
1: hours or for a day because you, you, it'll get
2: clearer to you.
1: Yeah, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and we're going to talk about several of these football games, is we, you know, we touched on it because of the dirty play in that game. But the Titans have gone out and won again, and it's a, it's another loss for the Broncos, Emil. And you and I weren't very high on the Broncos coming into this season, um, even though they were the defending Super Bowl champs. And um, they've been wishy-washy here, and they're looking like a team that's not going to make the playoffs this year, as I think you and I both predicted.
2: Well, um, you know, John Q. Fan cues uh, up this box score, and he says, hey, the Broncos had 348 yards, the Titans had 253. Here's the problem. I go, I scroll right down, and I go turnovers. Broncos, two, Titans, none, rushing yards. Broncos, nine attempts, 18 yards. Titans, 42 attempts, 180 yards. I don't need to see the score. I could pick a pretty good guess who won that game.
1: Yeah, not hard. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it really isn't, and uh, I don't know what's going on with the Broncos there. I do want to say hats off to the Tennessee Titans uh, fighting and, and, and scratching here and looking like a solid football team. I don't know um, if they will make the playoffs, but either way, uh, barring a complete collapse here in these last three games, they're going to have a season that they could build on and be kind of proud of. Agree or disagree on that?
2: Totally, and how about, you know, I mean, let's let's give a pat on the back to one of my former players that I used to like and still like him as a guy DeMarco Murray what a bounce back year I mean guys has uh, 1135 yards rushing for them uh, nine touchdowns getting four and a half yards to carry a big reason for the success they've had I mean people focus on Mariota but the Tennessee Titans I think are building that team the right way they have a very two good young studs on the offensive line that Conklin and I think it's Lewin from uh, Michigan they They run the ball, they're physical i I like what the Titans are doing right now,
1: yeah, a huge win yesterday uh for the for the Tennessee uh for the uh Houston Texans going to Indianapolis and getting a win huge win there because things are gonna be really tight in that division, and basically the only way you're getting into the playoffs out of that a f c South is you're gonna have to win it and it was uh it was huge to go to Indianapolis and beat back the Colts there. Uh, and stay on pace with Tennessee for the the lead in that division.
2: Yeah, I mean it was a big win for them. Um, that division, like you said, I mean it's the, it, it's not the greatest football per se, but it's going to be interesting because as these games start winding down, even if you know it's not great football overall, these games are going to be highly con- you know contested. I mean there is no path to the playoffs for any of those teams other than winning the division which makes it kind of interesting as we get down to these final weeks.
1: It really does. And also speaking of interesting is the Miami Dolphins had a big win and a big loss yesterday. Uh, They went out, beat the Arizona Cardinals at home in a driving rainstorm, very South Florida weather, but in the process may have lost Ryan Tannehill for the rest of the season. And now the uh, season for the Dolphins is going to be put in the hands of Matt Moore and where – Things were starting to look a little bright because I looked down at the schedule and said, hey, they can probably get a win against the Jets here. The Bills, as we talked about, not doing all that well. So that's two victories there. And then depending on what's going on with New England, um, they've got, they'll be playing for the playoffs in that last week of the season. But now with Tannehill on the shelf, and it sounds funny saying this because um, you and I and others, many others have been critical of Tannehill, truth of the matter is they don't have much behind him anyway. So I don't know where the Dolphins go from here.
2: No, I mean, they're going to catch a little – well, I thought they were going to catch a little break, but the Jets yesterday showed that they haven't totally packed it in because they were out in San Francisco, fell behind 17-3, worked their way back into a tie, and won the game in overtime. It tells me the Jets are still playing at least, um, and they I guess they're playing the uh, second-year guy, a quarterback, so he's going to want to show something. So that game, instead of becoming you know a gimme – with the backup quarterback becomes a difficult road game, Um, they may get a little reprieve in their last two because the Bills, and we'll get to them, they have some upheaval or at least some behind-the-scenes stuff that people are talking, you know, Rex Ryan may be getting fired. You may get a Bills team that completely gives you an effort, but it's still a road trip up to Buffalo. I don't know what to make of the Dolphins right now with with that injury.
1: Yeah, that's just going to be very, very interesting to see what happens there. What do we make of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man? This has been a a bit of a surprise here to me uh, that they've been able to pull this thing together. That's five wins in a row. They're playing great defense, and they're getting timely play from uh, their quarterback. How about Mariota and Winston? Um, Your two top picks a couple years ago. And they're playing the way they they play the way their franchise needed them to play, and they've pulled two dead franchises uh, into the spotlight here a little bit.
2: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, you got to like what they're doing. They're only second year guys. I mean, and in, in both of these franchises, as you said, have had their fortunes and their their futures changed by having you know guys that look like they're going to be good NFL quarterbacks, if not great, uh, at, at the uh, you know at the helm. And this is. You know, just I pulled this up because we're talking about the game, so I always like, as we're talking, to pull up the box score and see what know went on. I saw some of the game. Um, Here's where everything is perspective. Tampa Bay won that game yesterday, right, 16-11. Winston had a, you know, mediocre line, 16-26, to 184. You know, nothing great. No touchdowns, no picks. That's the important thing. The Bucs only got 270 yards of offense, but because they won the game, we're talking about a five-game winning streak, and he's great. We opened the show talking about switching quarterbacks in Dallas when essentially the guy, his line wasn't much worse. I mean, it just – everything is, is, is context.
1: All relative to that final result, man. Uh, things yep. just get passed to the yep. wayside. And sometimes teams do that. You know, you'll play really bad defensively. You get a win. You don't pay as much attention to it as you need to, and then you end up getting killed by it next week. So – uh you know, but let's not look the gift horse in the mouth. The Bucks are winning. No, no, Tampa, winning. Tampa Bay is going to try. It.
2: The way that franchise has gone at this point, they're not served well by any loss. They, the The winning is is doing far more for them, the confidence. I think some teams, and you, uh, you and I have talked about this in general at certain, certain points where you can afford losses, I think some teams are better off at certain points because like, the things you talk about, what you just said, Winning, while it's great, it builds your confidence. It can also mask things and make guys get complacent. And every once in a while, that strategic loss placed anywhere. It could be NBA. I don't care what sport you're watching. The loss you can afford to take is sometimes not that bad of a thing for a team.
1: Yeah, uh, no, no, no doubt about that. So let's, let's talk about this thing. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks went out, rolled the Carolina Panthers on national television. You and I have been watching the NFL and just football in general for years, so we know this, that uh, that team becomes uh, really in a lot of danger of falling on their face the next week. But we start to think that a team and a franchise like the Seattle Seahawks is immune to that. Uh, Not the case yesterday. They go out and get completely slapped around by the Green Bay Packers. They were never in this football game anymore. No,
2: and, I, you know, again, I don't want to overreact to one game. I mean, Green Bay, no matter what people want to believe, especially this time of year, is a difficult place to play. Um, you're going to go there. The weather typically sucks. They have a great crowd. Uh, they tend to amp their play up as the season goes along. So let's not discount just because the Packers are 7-6 and six, that this isn't a, a tough place to get a win, um, the manner in which they lost, I guess, is a little bit surprising. Uh, like you said, uh, they kicked that ball off, and within ten minutes, you realize that pretty much Seattle was losing that game. They they were really never in it.
1: Yeah, I didn't and, get a chance to see the. I didn't get a chance to see the game, but um, you know, just looking at a box score here, seeing a couple of highlights, it just looked like it was all the way bad for Seattle. It was our local game
2: here, so I saw a big chunk of it flipping back and forth. And, uh, you know, let's put it this way. I saw a chunk of it till halftime when I just said to myself, unless I see this score tighten up, I'm not coming back to this because it was boring. They were were getting their ass kicked in every phase. And, you know, if you're Seattle, here's where I say big body at work.
1: Is this the worst game Russell Wilson's ever played? Uh, if,
2: if it's not, it, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. He was he was bad yesterday. They turned it over six times. Um, last three games, you look at Seattle, they have a loss at Tampa, you, the aforementioned Buccaneers that you just mentioned on a five-game winning streak, where they scored five points in the loss. And, uh, you know, in between, uh, and then, then they have this game, and sandwiched in between is a game against Carolina, who's had just a disastrous season. It's hard to know what to make of Seattle right now. Um, their last three games line up nice for them. They have the Rams, they have the Cardinals both at home and a road trip to San Francisco. So I fully expect Seattle to finish this season, uh, you know, 11, four and one, and be a one uh, you know, probably they't going to be unless Dallas completely collapses, they'll be a 2 seed or a three seed. So we'll see where they go from there.
1: Yeah, well, they've got some time to get it together, figure out what's going on there offensively after yesterday's deal, and then you know find out the best ways to get by defensively without Earl Thomas being in that secondary because it looks like it may have a little bit of effect. You mentioned the Rams. Emil, this is the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL right now. It's not the Cleveland Browns. I think we've just grown accustomed to what it is that they are. But two weeks ago, um, inexplicably, the Rams brass renewed Jeff Fisher's contract, or extended it, uh, which is still the biggest head scratcher in the world for me. Um, and uh, he promptly goes out and rewards them with two of the worst performances this season that the Rams could put down. Is this a protest by by the team? I mean, it's, it's 26 to 10 uh, against the Patriots, and then 42 to 14. I just, what do they have in store for the fans? Um, next week at Seattle, who's going to be properly pissed off?
2: Well, at home. I'm going to sound I'm going to sound like a guy that is not taking my own advice. But how much of this game, or did you get to see anything in this game?
1: Why would I want? Did you games? see highlights? I had limited access yesterday because of some things okay. I needed to do, and this was just let, not let one me, of the games nut that Let me this that
2: I was out for you. Jared Goff, and I'm not going by results. I'm going by just what I see, how mannerisms and stuff. I'm scared this guy is going to be a total bust.
1: I'm, well, that seems well, to be the case when he was sitting on his rear end for most of the season, and you're saying now that he's in there actually playing, it confirms why he was indeed sitting.
2: Well, if you remember our draft show last year, I said to you my concern with taking golf that high. I mean, I, I always felt like if he was in a draft that was was deep with quarterbacks, he may have been somebody you take in the second round based on just the way he spins the football. But I watched him in the Pac-12, and a lot of the numbers that he would run up would be when they were playing the bottom feeders in the conference. You go back and look at Goff against the Stanford's and Oregon's, Oregon. And even USC, who wasn't great at the time, they were still on probation. I could remember games that they picked him off two or three times. I mean, it just – I sat there and I just – I thought teams last year in that draft reached real bad in that first round, specifically with the two guys taken, and I'm not – poo poo and wins completely, but there's things you're seeing with him now with his delivery and things like that that are you know, concerning there's some that me. Make this
1: argument where, okay, it's you know, the value of a player just really boils down to the need of the team. And it was obvious that the Rams needed a quarterback, uh, it was obvious that the Eagles needed a quarterback, and maybe um, in general, the value of a Carson Wentz and a Jared Goff was not a number one or number two pick, maybe somewhere quite a bit lower than that, into the 20s somewhere. But nevertheless, these two teams had a tremendous need, so these two players, in effect, had tremendous value. What What are your thoughts on that? Should Should the Rams uh, and the Eagles take in a pass and say, well, let's wait and see what comes down the pike and we'll just continue to struggle with what we have at quarterback Or I mean what were their options?
2: I've always disagreed with that because I think, you know, when you take a player, you know, in the first round, especially in the first half of the first round, he's got to become a pro bowl player. In other words, the top fifteen picks, you're not looking for guys who are good. You can get good in a lot of rounds. Top fifteen picks are picks you don't want to be making very often because that means you suck. So the top fifteen picks, you should be getting pro bowlers. You know, did anyone need a quarterback more a, a couple of years ago than the Oakland Raiders? Yet, they, they they went by their board. They saw a guy that they thought could be something in Derek Carr. They got him. I believe it was the second. It might have been. I think it was the second, not the third round. They didn't reach. They didn't go. And You know, Reggie McKenzie is finally showing some competence there in the Raiders' front office. He stuck with his board, took the right players in the right slots, And they've got themselves, at worst, an above-average NFL quarterback, and at best, a guy who's going to be a star for a decade.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, no doubt about that. What I think I'm seeing here, Emil, is um, a rebellion by by the the players of the Rams. I don't think they're on board with a Jeff Fisher, because when you're sitting here looking at it, when was that extension announced? Before the Saints game, was it not?
2: My, well, I think my, my, my brother was out that in a sports bar yesterday on business.
1: 21. Yeah, I I, I mean, they've, they've been horrendous. This has been their worst stretch since that. Uh, I mean, they were fighting in games and losing by small margins, but since that extension has been announced, they've just got, been on the all the way awful on all sides well, of the you, ball. I'll tell you a funny
2: 29. story. My brother's on 10, business. 14. My brother's on business out in L.A., right? So he's sitting in a sports bar yesterday, and a Rams fan. He not even talking to the guy he's sitting next to him. Something happens. I guess the score goes to 21 or 28, nothing. He turns to my brother and says, sim- similar to what I posted last week. Honestly, he says, does Jeff Fisher have pictures of the owner? Beep, beep, beep. A cow
1: or something like that. <laughs> I mean, really? Uh, uh, how could you think anything other than that? Who? No one deserve less (laughs) an extension on their contract than this guy. And all of the NFL. I mean, the Browns coach, Hugh Jackson, just got there. So, okay. But this guy did not deserve an extension, and he got it. You know, Colin Cowherd's explanation on this is um, the Rams brass is showing uh, they're making a display for future Ram coaches by saying, we will give you an opportunity. In effect, though, I think they're kind of trashing up this organization that's in Los Angeles and needs eyeballs and viewers and a fan base and they're kind of extinguishing that rather early in their existence back in L.A. right now.
2: Let me see. Let me ask you this. Do you think, and I'm being serious here, do you think in the NFL offices, while they can never tell a franchise how to run it, do you think there's some hand-wringing among, among executives? Because you need L.A. to be successful again. I mean, you moved a team back there. You made this big deal. The city did just fine without NFL football for 22 years. And I'm telling you, if the Rams go out, and become a dumpster fire similar to what the Cleveland Browns are, there'll be 50,000 people. That, that stadium will look empty when they're in the Coliseum. There'll be f- forty or 50,000 people
1: next year. Oh, yeah, and we all know what that looks like. So, um, yeah, there must be some hand-wringing. But they're also talking about the Chargers coming to L.A. also. Th- that sounds like a real legit thing that could happen.
2: Well, why don't we move 12 teams to L.A.? I'm sure one of them will be good.
1: One of them. Uh, one of them will be good. Uh, <laughs> it, it better happen. But geez, uh, the Chargers. This right there just looks looks really, really bad. And the Chargers it aren't looks... doing that hot either. <laughs> so no, well, let's find the Exactly, that's, that's my point. I mean, in LA. No, I think I think they better be real careful.
2: Again, you and I have talked about this, and I don't know. You know, maybe we're both missing something. But to me, this isn't that hard to see the problem. Again, just like. We've talked about with Miami, and L.A. is Miami on steroids because there's 9 million people and a lot of things to do in L.A. and a lot of beach and mountains and whatever. It, it, you gotta be you got to be a pretty decent team if you want to have a pro football team in L.A. Because I go back to you've got a city that has two major U.S. universities, top 25 U.S. News and World Report schools with big-time football programs in USC and UCLA, meaning they have tons of alumni in that area who spend their Saturday afternoons in the Coliseum or at the Rose Bowl watching their school play that they went to, they're not going to go watch a second football game on Sunday unless there's a good reason for it. They're just not.
1: Listen,
0: uh,
1: L.A., like Miami, only has time to support a winner. And if you're out there with BS and your head coach is telling the uh, biggest big-time player uh, ever in the franchise, don't come to the stadium, stay away, and then you're out there losing by three, four, five touchdowns, uh, they're going to forget that you're there really, really fast. And uh, it looks like that's where the, the Rams are headed. All right, two more things here. There's a game tonight. It's the Ravens. It's the Patriots. Neither one of us picked this as our picks this week. But what are your thoughts on this? New England's a six-point favorite, and I bounce back and forth with this. Both of these teams are coming off a pretty easy win, so I don't know if there'll be a mental letdown by anyone here. Amo, I've just been on this kick for the last month. I don't know that the Patriots are that good. And right now, you're giving them six points against a Ravens team that is both a winning team and a team trying to get themselves into the playoffs. I think we're looking at a closer game than than six points to uh, here tonight.
0: Uh
2: yeah, on the surface, I think so too. I, I mean, I think the Gronkowski being out really helps the Ravens when they game plan in these matchups, and they have the defense that even with Gronkowski they could give you problems. And now you're removing him from the equation. It's a hard. It, this is a hard game to read. It really is. I mean, you know, the, I'm always hesitant to back the Ravens right now because they're just not a consistent offensive football team. I know that, you know, I know and I know they I'm well aware of what they did last week against the Dolphins, but that is more an anomaly this year than than what's been the the norm for them. So, I would probably lean Ravens, but but you know, swallow
1: hard as I'm doing it. I just have this score of 24-21 in my head. Uh it's just kind of what I see playing out here. We'll see how much of a Nostradamus I am uh, when this game is actually played out tonight, but that's just a score that I have. Uh, Don't ask me who I think the winner is in that. Just 24-21 is the number in my head. All right, we made some picks this weekend. We were pretty good at it. Let's talk about it. Uh, It started off on Thursday night, both of us, on Kansas City, um, and that ended up being the right side of this game to be on. The Chiefs making big moves in the AFC West. Suddenly this Raiders team that had been riding high and looked like Perhaps they'd be fighting for and and getting uh, a number one seed in the AFC and home field throughout the playoffs. Uh, May not even win the division. That's how things are going. Uh, Kansas City goes out and takes care of the job. So uh, that was a win for me on that one. I was unfortunately on the side of the Buffalo Bills, thought this would be a great time for them to get their act together. They're at home. Uh, you know the weather might be inclement even though you know the Steelers are from weather like that also I just thought this was a good opportunity for the Bills to come back and fight Uh, not so much as they fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers who you know tried to give the game away themselves as we talked about so I took an L on that one and then came back with a win thought the Panthers would uh, you know seek this opportunity against a uh, San Diego Chargers team coming and playing a 10 10 a.m. game you know that's that's almost like – I don't want to say it's foolproof because nothing's foolproof when you're picking games, but that's been a winner over the years. Taking those West Coast teams, uh, playing a 1 o'clock game on the East Coast has really been money in the bank uh, unless you get a really, really great West Coast team. And no one out West, say the uh, Oakland Raiders, is, is uh, playing good ball right now. So one against against well, – this was more a play against the Chargers than it was on the Carolina yeah. Panthers. Ended up getting a victory there, so – uh, two and one. I think that evens me up in in the NFL this year, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Twenty a- twenty
2: and two. You got right back to five hundred this week with a, a two and one week, and uh, you know I, I I put up another two and one week myself. I started with that Kansas City pick on uh, Thursday, and here's what's funny about this, and, and this will leave some fans head scratching till Friday. Even though Kansas City may win the division even though they've had some success this year against Oakland I still think Oakland might be the better team if that makes any sense yeah i i, 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 watch would, agree. The
1: chiefs. I would agree with that yeah i watch
2: the chiefs and i know that the, for some reason they've had success with Oakland and how they've you know they whatever they've done right now i think if Oakland makes some adjustments and runs into Kansas City again they'll beat them cuz the chiefs offense watching that game very pedestrian and their defense frankly they let you move up and down the field. They're very reliant on turnovers, which are not total luck. I mean, you do create turnovers, but I worry about the Chiefs getting in a situation where if they don't turn a good team over in a playoff game, they might get run out of the building.
1: Perhaps. Um, I do know this, though. If the Chiefs can get themselves some home field advantage they're going to be able to make some moves in the, in the NFL. In the playoffs. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You don't want to play there. You want to That's one place. That's but there's probably four or five places if you and I sat down and listed them some show that you prefer not to play in the playoffs and and that would be one of them. So anyway, I digress. I got the win there. Um, I went against the home team yesterday. Took the Cardinals they were getting one when we made the pick that line flipped all the way to them as a two-point favorite nonetheless they go into overtime with the dolphins and as we talked about earlier miami pulled out the victory there uh sending me to a defeat uh that was my one loss and then i came back in the afternoon and basically made a pick against that disaster that's out in one of my favorite cities la i took the atlanta falcons minus six and uh Probably the pick of the day, or if that that or Green Bay. I mean, my God, they were they were up forty-two nothing. You were never even never worried in about. This game, never, so in never in doubt. Never in doubt. Yeah, so so, so uh, I go two and one, and I got my record back to nineteen and twenty-one with a couple pushes. So I'm a game behind you here and in the you're NFL.
0: Right, uh,
1: somehow, right on my rear end here. I don't know how this happened, but uh, you're right on. Uh, you're right up there with me in the NFL, so it's going to be an interesting uh, rundown to the stretch here. Shall we talk fantasy football? Because some interesting things are going on there in a fantasy football focus sponsored by FanDuel. Well, why don't you
2: summarize it? Because, because my fantasy football ended before the day even started with a late scratch, which I just loved.
1: <laughs> yeah, those suck. I've had one of those this year. Yeah, I guess it was your turn. You had yours there. Before I get into that, though, the fantasy football focus segment is sponsored by FanDuel.com. Daily fantasy football sports is here for you. It's not. You don't have to be stuck in a full season long. Uh, every week is a season here at FanDuel.com. So head over there right now. Get yourself signed up for some daily fantasy football, um, and it's just it's 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 so simple, folks. It's really easy. Easy to open the account. Easy to fund the account. PayPal, credit card, however you want to do it. And uh, you can join games for as low as $1 and come out with several thousand dollars as a winner. So use all of that football knowledge that you have and uh, put it to use with Daily Fantasy Football Sports at FanDuel.com. Go there right now, open an account, and put in the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS and get yourself a nice bonus to get started. All right, let's talk about what happened here. Uh, Yesterday I went with, uh, and again, just a really quick recap. We both have a cap of $21,000 that we get to use between one quarterback, one running back, and one wide receiver. Uh, My quarterback yesterday was Kirk Cousins. Uh, In the early going, I was a little nervous about what was going on there in Philadelphia, but I figured if they fell behind some, um, then, you know, Mr. Cousins would have to sling the ball around a little bit, which he ended up doing not a lights-out day but a good enough day to pull in 17 points, uh, which is a decent going um, for your quarterback in this. Also went with uh, Asiata, running back from Minnesota, figured this is the Jaguars. Uh, They obviously can't afford to fall to them. You don't want to put everything on Sam Bradford's shoulders, and so there'd have to be some running of the ball. My only fear was that, you know, I pick Asiata, and then everything is Jarrett McKinnon in the game. But fortunately, they split things up uh, between these guys, so I was able to pull out 10 points with this thing. So... Um, that was a good get for me, and then the biggest get of them all, and it, my logic in this was, and I'm a little proud of myself here was T.Y Hilton's a pretty damn good wide receiver in their first game against the Texans, he was uh, held down and checked three catches, and you got to think when the uh, Colts were game planning for this game, um, and they realized that you know things didn't go exactly the way that they wanted in that contest. They'd have to how are they going to fix that? And you got to get the ball to TY Hilton, which they did. Uh, over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown, 22 points there. So I ended up with 49.1 points on the day. Do uh, you want to go through yours, Amel? Yeah.
2: Listen, I started off with a scratch. I had Theo Riddick from the Lions. I get the the, the update on the phone at noon. Uh, they've scratched him <laughs> like a horse.
1: He scratched. So yeah, that's the part that sucks. You know, at that point, at you that now, point, I'll we'll this to our listeners. If you're on FanDuel, and you know, unlike what happened here, we put our picks in on Friday and the show was over, nothing we could do about it. If you're on FanDuel, you get a notice at 12 noon on a Sunday that a player in your fantasy lineup is, is been scratched. You have all the way up until the 1 o'clock kickoff to go in there and find someone else to stick in there, so... You wouldn't be stuck yeah. like amo was uh, on this. Yeah, I was stuck. But
2: you know what? Honestly, I don't deserve. I don't deserve to win, regardless. I mean, I my my wide receiver was Cole Beasley, and for some inexplicable reason, you know, he only caught four balls for 40 yards yesterday. I felt like he was a matchup problem. I don't think he was exploited enough in that game, and he had some plays called back on penalties. So whatever I got there, four points. Did I get four points from Beasley?
1: Uh, you got yourself 6.1 points from Mr. Beasley, okay. and you know what? And, and then I, the at my quarter, it like they were gonna get things cranked up with him. Did you not? Did you not get that feeling like, hey, they're going to him. Maybe he'll get something going.
2: Well, I did, and but you know, again, there was some just inopportune things that happened to him. I mean, he had a nice play one point in the game, called back on a penalty, on a hold on the outside by the wide receiver next to him. And you know, Cole Beasley's whole game is using his quickness on those kind of plays, and. You know, I mean, the hold was probably unnecessary, so it made me want to slap the guy backside the head. But nonetheless, I mean, I got six points there, and you know, Winston. Uh, you know, I talked about him earlier in the show. It just wasn't a great game for him. I mean, you know, the the Saints, who I I feel are not a really good, not a good defensive club at all. Actually, one of the worst five in the league. I thought Jameis had, uh, you know, have a big day for himself, and not really. That was a I was really struggling on that one.
1: I thought it I thought this matchup was tailor made for Winston to, to get loose on these guys and it just didn't go down that way.
2: No, not at all. So anyway, I mean I'm I'm not sure what that equated to in points for me, but it wasn't much. So what, what Nine did I get points from him?
1: for Mr Nine points earned from Mr. Winston. You're yeah. big, so I have a feeling him. where
2: you're taking this whole thing is you won the game and you know we are now tied at five and we're five in fantasy up, football. You know? We're all tied we're up. All I knew oh, I knew you were gonna go there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hey, listen, I got some breaking news for you, Emil. Um, nevertheless, all right, let's just finish this up here. 49-15, blowout. You, you played the LA, you played the role of the L.A. Rams yesterday. Now we're all tied up here at 5-5. Five five. I'm going to see how you bounce back from that um, and, and we go through these final few weeks here. Now, this is getting really, really interesting. I have some breaking news on the college football front, and we'll talk about that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay right here with us.
0: Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because
1: you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing
0: website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25, and get this, cashed out $25,000
1: that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry, the match
0: bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! you want the truth well here it is speed kills and in no other sport is that true than in football speed gets you to the end zone speed gets you to the ball carrier speed makes you a winner do you want championship type speed do you want speed that kills then complete speed is what you need complete speed is turning athletes into game breakers with quick and easy methods that are easy to understand complete speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. The oh. I was
1: good I'm on my own. That's the way it was. That's the way it was. You was good under love for a faded, on some faded love. What the you f- complaining All right, we're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Emil, I told you, going into break, we'd have some breaking news in the college football front. Uh, And it is this, your boy that used to coach over there at USC and the Oakland Raiders that we spoke about today is now the new head coach at FAU. You know who I'm talking about? Mr. Lane Kiffin? None other than Lane Kiffin. And, you know, it was my plan today to talk about another interesting hire that happened here in the state of Florida a couple of days ago. And that was Charlie Strong being hired at USF. And no quicker than I can get around to talking about that, Lane Kiffin gets hired at FAU. Very interesting times here in the state of Florida.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, hey. Best of
1: luck to, to him, right? Here's what gets me, though. All right? Here's the fan talk. Here's the fan logic. Here's how fans think, and it's so faulty. Uh, it started with Charlie Strong getting hired. And uh, you start hearing this. Hey, you know, the big three better start, wa- better watch out. You know, Florida better look out. Charlie Strong is there at USF. Going to be stealing recruits left and right. From Florida Florida State and Miami, these guys better watch out. Listen, flag on the play, okay? It's still USF that plays in the AAC, okay? Uh, Charlie Strong was at Louisville, and what he did very well at Louisville um, was get the disenfranchised player, uh, many of them from the state of Florida, that were not even recruited by a Florida, a Florida State, or Miami. Brought them on, got them all lathered up, and got them to play really well at Louisville. And he's going to do that, and then some, at a South Florida. But is he going to redirect uh, a four- or five-star player on his way to Florida State, Florida, or Miami and land them with any amount of regularity at USF? That's not going to happen. Um, And so there'll be some out on Twitter and in social media trying to push that agenda today now for FAU and even more Uh, than a USF I can say that's not going to happen it's still FAU it's not Florida it's not Miami it's not uh, Florida State folks put the liquor down it doesn't go like that okay Michigan State's not suffering because P.J. Fleck went undefeated at Western Michigan okay Uh, Tom Herman was not stealing recruits from Texas A&M and Texas and, and those guys out there in the big great state of Texas that's not how this thing works
2: no, and you know the other thing you got to remember too is as, as well as one of these guys can recruit, you still have those programs that kids grew up watching, and dreamed of playing for their whole lives. And no matter how much they like a Charlie Strong, when they have to make a decision, do I want to go play at South Florida or whatever Florida State? Uh, the decision many times will make it, you know, make its uh, make its own decision for them because they they've watched Florida State and dreamed of playing for them, or Florida or Miami. I mean. Like I've always said to you, and this is why I think sometimes at those type of schools, the recruiting is a little bit overrated. You've got to be a really good recruiter at South Florida, which is why I think Charlie Strong is a good hire. Not so much at other schools. I mean, you could give almost any person that that can watch a little film a clipboard and a whistle, and they can get some decent players to come to Florida, Florida State, and Miami. That's not the challenge there. The challenge is actually making
1: them better. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what it is. And I, 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 and I do like it for this. Um, I'm excited for the state of Florida. Um, and what I think is actually going to be what happens here with these hires at, uh, and let's not forget that Butch Davis has been hired at FIU. So you've got some big names in the second-tier schools here in the state of Florida. And I think the biggest impact that those three hires are going to have here is it's going to slow down some of the traffic out of this state of the, like I said, disenfranchised, I could use that word recruits mm-hmm. that head out to the uh, MAC conference that we see um, that were you know stars here on the gridiron in high school that we see now making plays at Northern Illinois uh, or at a Western Michigan or a Miami of Ohio or go to Purdue or Rutgers or Syracuse and schools like that those are the schools I think that need to be the most I'm um, worried about the three hires that have been made here within the last two weeks in the state of Florida, uh, because a lot of these schools have been able to come down in here and gobble up the talent that's been left at the roadside that are really damn good football players that get lost in, in the shuffle of the, the big, the big names here in the state of Florida. But those schools are the ones that really need to be worried the most.
2: Oh, I agree with you, but I, I mean, I would keep an eye. I said to you when, when I saw the hire, I would keep an eye on South Florida in that um, there are a large enough school, and you know he's a, a, a good enough recru- recruiter where, no, do I think he's going to be littering his roster with, with five stars? I don't, but I do think he can spot kids that aren't as highly regarded down there that are still really, really good players that maybe only get a three-star grade and convince them to play like hell. And I think he's back in his own element where he feels comfortable, and I think Charlie Strong is going to be a really good hire for them.
1: It's a good hire and um, a bad hire in this sense. If you're Charlie Strong and you just, for lack of a better term, got embarrassed in your tenure at Texas, and uh, you take this job now at South Florida, if you're successful in doing some of the things that the hopeful Bulls fans of South Florida feel and the brass at South Florida feel you'll be able to accomplish, I think in no time, Charlie Strong will be out of South Florida. Uh, It's a pit stop for him, I feel Um, And if he's able to, you know, make a quick turnaround and a great thing for Charlie Strong here. And uh, one of the number one reasons that I think Charlie Strong had a probably a talk with somebody, probably Urban Meyer, um, who probably shed some wisdom because I think Urban Meyer is the best job picker in all of college football. Uh, Probably told him, hey, listen, this Taggart guy took them to a 10 and two record, the first double digit win season ever in the school's history. There's some talent there. It's a chance for you to get in there. You're a good football coach. Um, take them to the next level, perhaps, and uh, show everyone that that Texas thing was anomaly, and you can get back into a big-time job.
2: Yeah. I mean, he talked he, to some of He didn't go take a reclamation
1: project. He didn't go to UTEP. Um, he, he went to South Florida that just accomplished some things and has a roster with some talent.
2: No, definitely, and I think I think he picked a good. You know, you always say that's important: picking the right job. And I think in this case, he did a, a great job of picking a really good job.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's man. You know, Emil, that's I dare say everything in this in this college football carousel game that's played now. You better get really, really good at picking your job, and don't just take a job because it's been offered to you. Don't just take a job because they're throwing some money at you. Because you know, all that money may have to get spread out over you know, the rest of your career because you could tank it. Um, and so this is an opportunity for Charlie who could have sat you know, in the wings. I don't think that's the guy. I don't think that that's how that, should, how that works best. Um, the guys that could sit and wait are the ones who left the job where they did very, very well. Um, and, and they could still be highly regarded as they sit and wait. Um, And for Charles, no, he had to take a job
2: and reestablish himself. I mean, you're right. I mean, he couldn't just sit around and and do nothing. No one's going to say, "Well, geez, let's get the ex-Texas coach who got fired after a five-and-seven season." I mean, he needed to go somewhere and prove that you know he didn't forget how to coach in those few years he was at Texas. I like it because of what you said. He he's got the talent coming back. Probably you know I don't know their roster upside down and backwards, but I'm going to assume it's not bare. Um, knowing what Taggart did there and and where they're at. And he's in a great situation to be successful. I mean, Temple just lost their coach. They're in his division. Um, He's got UCF, Cincinnati, East Carolina, and Connecticut in his division. That's certainly, uh, you know, no murderer's row. And on the other side, Houston just lost their coach. So basically he's got Navy to deal with. He's got a chance to go right in there and become the big boy in the block in this conference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um a a good opportunity for uh for you know, Charlie Strong. And we'll just have to see what this is uh at FAU for Lane Kiffin. I I, I don't know the level of talent that he's going to be dealing with there or don't know how Lane Kiffin is going to learn from his last stops uh as a as a coach cuz let's face it it hasn't been as successful as I think Lane would have wanted it to be. So what lessons is he bringing? Is he going to relinquish the play calling uh, duties to someone else? Or is he going to be the guy with with the sheet in his hand trying to manage an entire team and run an offense? Um, I'm going to have to wait and see on Lane Kiffin and then also see what he does on the recruiting front. So I'll reserve judgment on that one. I don't want to launch into uh, just yet a talk of uh, the bowl games. Um, We do have our first bowl game uh, coming up. I think that's on Saturday, so that sets up nice for us because we are going to have to do uh, a football Friday show, and we could do our bowl bonanza thing. I'm thinking we do ten of these. What do you What do you think, Amol? How do How do we want to approach this bowl bonanza? I don't know. I think we give. You
2: know, let's talk about it. Right, maybe this year we'll pick. We'll, we'll set a limit for every show that we have. A, you know, every Friday show we'll look at the bowl schedule for the following week, and maybe out of that we'll pick three or four. Because when we go when we do ten. I don't know, we give them all out, and, you know, it's why don't, why don't we see, We'll set up a system so we maybe get some picks in every show. You know what I'm trying to say? We'll look ahead do for what games are ahead along. of that show. Yeah,
1: well, you know, I might be down with that because things change, too, as we move along, so yeah. let's not lock ourselves into anything. All right, this will require some more talking, um, and uh, we'll kind of lay it all out for you when we get to our Football Friday edition. Uh, coming up on Friday, because that's when Emil rejoins me here. As you know, I have shows throughout the week, and i um, looking to be on tomorrow at 10 a.m. So if you're listening to the show today, rejoin me tomorrow at 10 a.m. as a, another great Gridiron Stud show is coming at you. We want to thank you for listening to this one, The Weekend Wrap. We talked a little college football, a lot of NFL football, and we appreciate you doing that. Enjoy the football game tonight. We want to thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud show and making it a featured show on blogtalkradio.com. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud show. We'll see you
0: guys. This is the end, my only friend, the end of our elaborate lives. the end of everything. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges?